the blue. And I am listening to Two Stars Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Two Star Podcast. Uh, my name is Adam and I'm joined as usual by Graham. Hi. And Dan. Boo. Excellent. So it has been a long and arduous week since our last podcast. Um, mm. Many exciting things have occurred. Very few of them we will cover here. Um, but I think the big news, which everyone should be excited about, is that the BBC are bringing back Rebel Wars. Yep, I could not be more excited. Well, I could, but I'd like to pretend otherwise. Excellent. My only concern is that it's not going to be fronted by Craig Charles and Philippa Forrester. What happened to Philippa Forrester? Uh, she got killed by Sir Killalock. Yeah. He got oh, drunk and went on that's, rampage. That, that, that's why Robot Wars stopped. Yeah. Mm. Well, it makes sense. When did Robot Wars actually finish? Because it was only, only like two or three years ago, because it was on Channel 5 for ages, and nobody watched it, because everyone said, yeah, we're, we're done with this, it's yeah, fine. I genuinely had no idea that was the case, I just assumed it had finished oh, right. and no, it stopped being on BBC Two. It went on for quite, quite, a, quite a while mm. after that. It did get a bit shit. Well... Yeah. Particularly, is everyone, you know, the first few seasons, everyone sent in these weird and crazy robots that had like knives and drills and spikes and things. And then okay, everyone figured so out it, actually it was much easier just to have, get a, have the uh, the actual details. So it was on BBC Two from ninety eight to two thousand and one. Then it was on whatever the fuck BBC Choice is from two thousand and one to two thousand and three, and then on Channel Five from two thousand and three to two thousand and four. Um, okay, so it's been twelve years. So that is that is a while, I suppose. Wow, BBC Choice was a thing that existed. I, I, BBC Choice was a BBC TV station which launched on the 23rd of September 1998 and closed on the 9th of February 2003. It was the first British TV channel to be broadcast exclusively in digital format. Basically BBC Three then. Except apparently... Yes, so its successor was BBC Three. All right, okay. But BBC Choice also aired children's programmes which then switched over to CBBC and CBBS. I think for the last... Well, nearly four years, my TV has spent about 80% of its time on CBeebies. Yeah, you do have kids. That's unrelated. I didn't think this was... I, I completely forgot this was a thing, but the first series of Robot Wars was presented by Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, and it was really awful. Yeah. I mean, more awful than you would expect, I think. But they haven't said who's going to be doing it. No, they, they, they'd be stupid not to pay... Craig Charles big bucks, wouldn't they, and bring him back? Yeah. So Philippa Forrester think... did the original, and she yeah. did the BBC Choice. And then was so it was Lisa, Lisa Faulkner or somebody like that? No. So in the Philippa Forrester took a two year gap where Julia Reed, whoever she is, did it. Never heard of her. And then on Channel Five, it was Jane Middlemas. But there was um, there, there was somebody else as well. Lee, I'm sure it was Lisa Faulkner. Not who... according to Wikipedia, and so therefore it didn't happen. What would Wikipedia know? It was the same woman who was on. Um... Oh no, maybe I'm getting confused with Scrappy Challenge. Yeah, Scrappy Challenge had <laughs> two of them. The one that had that had her in it, and it had um, the woman before who went off to do junkyard wars in America. Yeah, who was actually the one who was like an engineer and new ship. I think I'd mm. probably be more excited if they brought back um, Scrappy Challenge than Robot Wars at this point. Yeah, yeah I would very much like to see that if they had to make robots. Because yes. I mean, basically, they always made a car with um, an, a, a, like a broom sticking out of the side of it, and they called that you know whatever it was meant to be. Oh, it's an amphibious vehicle because we can drive it through a puddle and it doesn't instantly cut out. It takes about an hour. Yeah, 
There does seem to be a particular, like, uh, heyday of British TV that was fronted by former Red Dwarf actors that involved people making machines and then competing. Mm. um, A tweet came up on my time hop the other day, which I'd forgotten about, which was that I had a dream that I was casting for a US version of Red Dwarf, and in the dream I'd managed to arrive at most death for the cat, which is perfect. I can't think of anyone better. But I hadn't managed to come back with anybody else. I'm a bit worried that I'm going to have that dream again. They're going to be expecting me to report back. Yeah, you really need to, you know, pick things up because that's a long time to go between. Yeah, I think Dan, you suggested Steve Carell for Rimmer, which I think would work quite well. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that suggestion. Actually. But yeah, that's I mean, good. most deaf definitely for the cat. That would yeah, that would no, be fine. That's perfect. It's the first time I've heard it. Um, but I, you know, I don't know who else you'd get in. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who they cast as the. Um, for the I say cast, who they get to do the the presenting and the. Um, oh, I think most deaf um, for the presenter of Robot Wars as well would be. That'd work. I mean, what, about, think, what about the, uh, the 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 interviewee woman? I think probably also most deaf. Okay, cool. I don't think uh, there's many roles he couldn't fill. Will you get well, him to replace Jonathan Pierce true. as the announcer though? Yeah, and he would replace the killer lot. Okay. And Matilda. Mm. The only problem right. with most deaf is, and it's quite topical. This um, he recently got arrested in South Africa for attempting to use something called a world passport, which is basically <laughs> oh, yeah, about forged, he tried to use forged, do- forged documents to leave the country. A world passport. That's how some, no, like no, something. No, not forged documents. Documents that are essentially meaningless. They're agreed well, okay. by like six yes. countries. Imagine he wandered documents. in saying, "No, this totally counts. It's absolutely a passport. Ignore the fact that I have no passport." Well, he was, he was trying to leave the country, wasn't he? Because he's yeah. been living there for a few years. Yeah, but he's now he's, he's now said he's given up on acting and singing. So it's this quite sounds, sad. Sounds um, a lot like in when we were seventeen, and our friend Richard made uh, Eurocard fake IDs, which. <laughs> yes. It was definitely not that. a driving license forgery. It was just yeah. a, an ID that had the wrong date of birth. But he, I think he flooded the market. So, so many pubs in Guildford got used to seeing them that they just started accepting them. Yeah, it was quite an impressive achievement. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to start a cartel, that's quite a good good way to do it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But Yeah, so I'm thinking that Two Star Podcasts probably need to get a robot together to go on Robot Wars. Okay. I mean, yeah, we obviously... I've come up with a few ideas. The first one would be just to create Hypnodesk because that is mm. the greatest of all of the Robot Wars robots. Yeah. What was the one that that like kicked ass for? Was it um? There was one that like was just basically like a wedge. That yeah. One well, like, Ro- like... Roadblock was the first wedge, and then after Roadblock, every series Everything was shit because it was just wedges. After that, but Chaos Two was the sort of the the best yes. one. But yeah. the, what Chaos Two had that nobody else had was uh. And at least partway competent driver. Yes. Yeah. And so, if I remember correctly, it also had a functioning self-writing mechanism, yeah. which most of the others failed on. It does. Where they basically all they actually had was like a, a bit of metal that came out and bent slightly and caused it to fall over. Mm. Fact, I think my favourite one. I can't remember what robot this was, but it had a super powerful self-writing mechanism, and it got flipped over, and then flipped itself and did a complete three hundred and sixty and came back down. <laughs> It's back, Amazing. which I thought was freaking hilarious. I hope it broke the mechanism and that was their one shot. As <laughs> I, well. I think they, I think it either fell in one of the pits or one of the house robots, then just beat the crap out of it for being so stupid. Because I mean, that was that was always the worst. The worst part of Robot was was always the the actual fights. Yeah, because after they took out all of like the assault course challenges and stuff that they had in the first few series, mm. and just made it battles. 
it became apparent that nobody had a fucking clue how to drive any of the things. Yes. Yeah. And all of the weapons were shit. So yeah. you essentially just watched a robot sort of drive into the pit and then the other one spin around for a bit and go up to the house robots and try and get away but then fuck up and land on a spike and then Matilda would yep. come in and cut a big sort of hole in it mm. and that was I mean that was Robot Wars that's all I watched between the ages of you know, whatever 16 and yeah, I, think, I can't much. remember when it finished but Nine so I'm thinking for, for our um, for our effort rather than trying to I mean you've got two options you could train one of us up and we could we'd have to kickstart something to pay our salary for a year so that we could just dedicate full-time hours to learning how to drive a robot. Mm. Actually, you could probably just practice for a week and you'd be better than all of the other entrants. Yeah, the, the, challenge, the challenge there is that. first to build yeah, a robot that you can well, drive. So what I'm thinking is that we just we cut, the, cut out the middleman and we just make it autonomous. Mm. So what So what we'll, what we'll need to do um, is... We're going to need a computer to power it. So I'm thinking that the CPU should be a neural net processor, a learning computer, but we'll switch it to read-only when it's sent out into the Robot Wars arena because we don't want it thinking too much while it's out there. No, the last thing you want is your robot becoming self-aware. Exactly. So we're going to give it detailed files on human anatomy because that makes it a more efficient killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then for the uh, construction, we've got two options. Firstly, we can go for... Um, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton, so un- it'll be a hyperalloy combat chassis, microprocessor controlled, fully armoured, very tough. But outside, it's human living tissue, flesh, skin, hair, blood, all grown for the robot wars. Is or, this coming back to your face cutting off thing again? No, no, no. Because if it is, I find that an extremely no, just some, some great ideas I had. The second option is uh, a mimetic polyalloy, liquid metal. So. Mm. It couldn't just turn itself into a packet of cigarettes because it has to be equal size. Um, And there's other limitations as well because it can't um, form complex machines. Guns and explosives have got chemicals and moving parts and it doesn't work that way, but it could form solid metal shapes. That would cause us some problems with wheels, though. Yeah, there is that. It would also be a bit tricky to put it into the remote controls. How would you sort of do... What combination of up and left and right? Well, there aren't any controls. No, it's 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 autonomous. autonomous. We've been through this. Oh, right, fine. Like, like, you know, uh, every year they do, like, the the Robot World Cup, where they have, like, basically football-playing robots. It's basically like that. It's completely autonomous. It's aware of its environment. It learns, you know, the best routes to take and what to do when it encounters obstacles, that sort of thing. So, I mean, the, the main benefit to this is that it can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop ever until the opponent is dead. To be fair, that's mostly true of the rest of the robots, mm. but the last bit, where it will not stop ever until someone drives it into one of those pits. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... The pits are... The, but if, I mean, it'll be humanoid in form, so it'll be able to climb out of the pits. That's what nobody's thought of. Will that of. be allowed? Well... I think pretty much if you turn up with a Terminator, who's going to stop you? Who's going to yeah, try and enforce points. rules when you when you've brought on when you brought out a cyborg? Yeah, mm. I can't really argue with that. So I th- I think that is how we will enter and win Robot Wars. But then the problem is, um, it will become self-aware and launch attacks on mankind. So yeah, but I mean, we'll have won Robot Wars. But we'll have won Robot Wars, so it swings around about, yeah, doesn't it? As long as it remember, remembers that we're at its masters and overlords and doesn't harm us or plot well, there's, no, there's no risk of anything like that, we're fine. I and, think uh, the problem is no if problem. it does remember that we're its masters and overlords, we will be the first people it comes for. Because I'm going to put some really fucked up stuff in the programming. 
I mean, well, we could put. Um, we'll be right there. We'll die quickly. Yeah, and we could we could put in a, a classified protocol, um, which is that while it's while we're in the employee of um, OCP, it's not allowed to attack us. Hmm. That's uh, that's a good fail safe. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's it's just a little bit more interesting than basically a remote controlled car with a spike on it, which is what they all boil down to. Or wedges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or that I mean, one that was basically just a remote control car inside a chicken wire ball. Oh, yeah. Um, Psycho Sprout or something that was like that. It, wasn't, yeah. yeah. That wasn't very good at all. I mean, no, that was... I don't really know what they were thinking of when they. No, I, I mean, I admire the, 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 just the, the desperation that must have gone into the shit. We've entered into Robot Wars. We've got a week and we haven't built anything. What yeah. do we do? I did always prefer the clips from like American Robot Wars when it was American. a lot of mental middle-aged men with a lot of time on their hands and quite a lot of engineering experience, whereas ours seemed to be... Mostly school kids and universities. Yeah, and, and their technology yeah. teacher. And, yeah. and basically all the people who won were middle-aged guys who were engineers and quite good with technology. Yeah, I'm suddenly wondering how much paedophilia that Robot Wars enabled. Locking a large knife. Why? Why? What the fuck is wrong with you? What Dan? are you planning, Dan? Jesus oh, Christ! God. Okay, this, well, that's it. We can't enter now. Right, we can't enter now because Dan's on a fucking list. Sweet Thanks, mate. Christ. Hey, at least I'm not on the terror watch list like Adam. Well, that's true. Well, that's right. What sorted then? Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, well, on the subject of paedophilia, um, I have spent most of this week listening to the new R. Kelly album. Um, Are your ears bleeding? Uh, I did feel physically ill after the first couple of tracks. Does it demonstrate okay. um, a lot of uh, self-awareness and contrition? No. Good. No, it demonstrates <laughs> that he really, really likes sex. Ah, oh, who doesn't? Um, so, basically... Does it specify of... with whom? I don't think he's fussed. I think, yeah. um, I think it's safest he doesn't get into preferences, really. All of the tracks on The Buffet... Um, Pretty much are about sex. Um, so it opens with The Poem, which is a spoken word track, uh, which I will play you because it is it has to be heard to be believed. And it moves through tracks such as Poetic Sex, Let's Make Some Noise, uh, Wanna Be There, um, Backyard Party, Sex Time. So, you know, you can see a theme here. I assume Backyard Party is having sex out in the garden. No, it weirdly seems to be the only track that's not about sex and actually seems to be about a party that he has in a backyard. All right. Well, I, I think suppose... you just missed the subtext, Adam. No, well, I mean, he could just be an innuendo master, but it does genuinely not seem to be about sex, unlike every other track on I the... I mean, fair the... play. Even Craig David chilled on Sunday. It's a fair point. Um, so I have here some samples for you, just a couple um, don't want to spoil it for you or get us into any legal trouble for playing copyrighted material um, so first up, uh, I will play you the whole of the opening track because you really have to hear it to believe it now I'll make this very clear, this is not a parody, this is not me recording my own version of the R. Kelly track, this is the actual opening track okay, just bear that in mind and enjoy this Good evening, ladies. Shall we start with hors d'oeuvres? I can tell your body's been lacking the platter of satisfaction your body deserves. We have reservations, and I'm so glad that we're here. 
Because I'll be toasting your juices all night like. Oh, Jesus Christ. See, you need someone who understands you have a delicate palate. Let me cater to you while indulging in my own bad eating habits. It's a celebration and you're the cream of the crop. Let me. (laughs) And I promise I won't leave a drop. But wait. This is just the appetizer. By the time I reached dessert, a climax couldn't get no higher. A leg couldn't shake no harder. We going at it so crazy. This love so tasty. I'm talking my jelly and your pastry. See, baby, I got every need, every want, every craving you seek. I'll be going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until lemons taste sweet. This is all you can eat, from steak to sorbet. Welcome to the buffet. Well, so there we go. That's the opening to the album. And I think you'll agree, it's incredible. Put me off ever eating in a buffet again. I mean, maybe we're doing him a disservice. Maybe he is just talking about a buffet. Maybe he just really loves buffets. Like, or or possibly going to the big walk and fucking all the food. I mean, yeah, it's hard I to mean, tell. There's, I wouldn't let him in my all-you-can-eat restaurant. No. no. So I think that sets the tone for the album very much. Mm. Oh, the, um, it gets better. So the first proper song um, is Poetic Sex, um, which is basically him going on about sex, but in a poetic way. Um, and I will I'll give you an example of the the lyrical mastery of R. Uh, this is a clip from Poetic Sex. My lyrics got a big dick and I just fucked the shit out of y'all. Poetic. <laughs> so there we go. Oh, I mean, yeah, fair play. If his lyrics have got a big dick, then um... yeah. Um, there's also uh, the song Marching Band, in which he basically compares his having sex to a marching band and various instruments, trumpets, tubers, drums, violins, pretty much anything that he can somehow tenuously link to sex. Um, I like to he does think a... that were a sex object in a marching band, I would be the French horn. <laughs> yeah. I'd be the bagpipes. <laughs> Ooh, good Fair shout, enough. good shout. Because I uh, ruined the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just spoil it just by being there. Um, at one point, he does a duet with his daughter. Oh God, Ari, Ari, Ari Ray. I don't know how the hell you're supposed to pronounce her name. A R I I R A Y E acute. How are social services not involved? I don't know, but this is apparently uh, this is this is apparently a song that they recorded after they had got back together after they'd been estranged. Um, and him singing very unsuitable songs about sex around his children again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm not sure how old she is actually. Hi, pod fans. This is Adam. Just to let you know that uh, R. Kelly's daughter, real name Joanne Kelly, is in fact 17 and a half years old. So you know, make of that what you will. Old enough, he would probably contest. Quite probably. Um, so the whole thing is frankly horrifying. Uh, even by standards of an R. Kelly album, it's pretty bad. Um, I wouldn't call any of the tracks great. 
a couple of them I didn't feel physically ill after listening to. Mm. But I mean, that, all in all, I, I wouldn't recommend it. That is setting the bar pretty low for. <laughs> well, <laughs> for you've heard it's a good the introduction song, track. Yeah, I think. I wish I hadn't. Don't get me wrong. I did warn you. Yeah, but you didn't give me the opportunity to not. Well, no. Yeah. It is a bit of a shame, in a way, um, that Christopher and Dorset put in that complaint to the Podcasting Council of Great Britain that means we're not allowed to do Poetry Corner anymore. Well, we kind of don't need to. Like, obviously, he was inspired by our Poetry yeah. Corner. And we could just put um, Handle behind that, and uh, and that that could just be the backing music to, to rather than having it a spoken word piece. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I, I, my advice to everybody is do not buy this album. Um <laughs> I have listened to it so that you don't have to. Mm. So please don't let my sacrifice be in vain. Don't go and now listen to it yourselves. It is very much a public service. I yeah. like to think so. Um, so, yeah, that was how I spent my week, and I wish I hadn't. Um, so, Dan, please tell me you've got something that will cheer me up a little bit after that. Heck no. G'day, mates. Today, or rather yesterday, when we were actually supposed to do the podcast... Is Australia Day. So, I thought we could t- talk about our favourite and, more importantly, our least favourite thing. Australia. So, um... Didn't we already do an Australia Day special last year? Like, in s- September or something? Shit. Yeah, but also, um, is this a Cockney Australian? Yeah. So, somewhat. Okay, cool. So, I just wanted to, you know... It's basically Russell Crowe. Okay, right, got it, sorted. So, do please continue. So, yes, um... I thought we would talk about the most wonderful parts of the Antipodes, so such as the fact that basically all of the animals there want to kill you. Australia, as I'm sure you all know, is a home to a great many poisonous insects, poisonous fish, poisonous things that are like fish, and um, poisonous spiders. My favourite is the spider that um, lives in your toilet, builds a web up there, bites you in the arse and kills you when you, go- when you go to the toilet. It serves you right for doing a shit, frankly. In Australia. Like, yeah. You would what think you that after what I did to your toilet. But well, normal people, it's a bit unfair. Mm. It's established that everything in Australia wants to kill you. I mean, that's that, to be fair, that's fairly well known. Like, if you go to mm. Australia, there is a very good chance you will die. That's why all the Australians come over here to work in bars, because it's better than living in Australia. Which goes to show how fucking awful Australia must be if they're willing to put up with the London walkabouts, for instance. Pretty much. Mm. Um, my, my second favourite story about Australia um, is the story, it came out quite a while ago, but it was probably before we started podcasting, um, about the town that was so riven with men and utter lack of women that they put out an advert in various of the world's publications inviting ugly women to emigrate there because they stood a re- very good chance of catching a reasonably all right, very rich miner. Hmm. It caused quite a lot of uproar. But a lot of it centred around value judgments about women and should people really be making them. And in the end, everyone conceded they kind of had a point, which I thought was very funny. I think it's, it's just being inclusive. I think that's... Uh... Mm. I mean, you know, possibly they shouldn't have specified and they should have just advertised for women. Um, you know, it does seem a little tasteless. I mean, what do Australians know about tact and subtlety? That's just true. Exactly. So, do either of you have any entertaining stories of Australia? Um, no. I can no. go through my Australia Day facts from last year again, if you like. 
but you know, we'd rather assume that you would have prepared some material for this beyond two random facts about Australia. Yeah, um, no, not really. Fair enough. Well, I do. I, I have another update, unfortunately, um, of a less happy nature than the celebrations of Antipodean cousins. In that happy relationship with the girl has come to a sad end. So, um, unfortunately, all of our dating advice might actually be good because I didn't follow any of it. Well, so you never sent her a picture of your penis? No. Or anyone else's penis? No, nor did I jump up next to her when she was getting off the tube and ask for directions to Leicester Square, despite the fact that it would have been geographically plausible. Yeah. Um, And I can only attribute the failure of the relationship to that very thing. I mean, I think that's uh, pretty much conclusive proof that our advice would have worked. Yeah, I assume you tried negging and it went horribly wrong. No, I didn't. I was nice to her, and well, that was your fault. I know. I know. You've got to be horrible to women. That's how it works. Some greasy fucking Australian swung in and took. Have you never? Have you never seen a TV show or a film? Like that's that's how you attract women. You're really shit to them, and and then like they realise that they love you, and it's all great. But The Rock in San Andreas isn't really horrible to people, and that's now the only film that I've ever watched. Or no, but he's already married, so he doesn't need to worry about it. He, well, he's, he's getting a divorce, isn't he? So, it's, yeah, you don't want to be like him. He has to engineer an, an earthquake so he can get his wife back. Shit, I should have done that, shouldn't I? You, sh- you should have engineered an earthquake. Oh, but I don't know... I mean, no offence, Dan, I love you, but I don't know how well you would fare in an earthquake. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. I mean, I, I'm not saying that me or Adam would do any better. I think we'd all be fucked. And, like, you know, if a building didn't fall on us instantly, we would stand somewhere that it looked like it might, just so we didn't have to, like, be brave or help anyone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Our, odds, our odds of survival are basically zero. I mean, yeah. it's it similar. If there was a zombie apocalypse, I would just take myself out instantly because it would be better all around for every other survivor. And also... It just sounds like it would be horrible. Mm. And even if you survive, for, you know, you could survive for years after the zombie apocalypse, it's always going to be shit, isn't yeah. it? So I'd, I'd rather just you know, take the easy way out. Um, but I'd do it responsibly. I'd make sure I destroyed my brain. I would probably, I think, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, do something like dive off a skyscraper where you know you're going to cop it, your brains are going to be splattered all across the ground, but the actual whole skydiving thing would be quite fun and cheap for, like, two seconds. What if yeah, some, you might really what if some like zombies it? break your fall? Oh, um, that's just like those fucking zombies, isn't be, it? Then you survive, but horribly crippled. Yeah, yeah then the zombies would get me. But then they'd eat you, and I don't want to be eaten by a zombie. That's the whole point of killing myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, why do you think everyone in the zombie films always call, you know, shouts out for someone to just finish them off? But man, yeah, they miss you, don't they? The zombies slowly chew you to death. In fact, I think I might just go around putting people out of their misery, even if they don't want me to. <laughs> just just cut, uh, cut out the middleman. and. Uh... You realise in most zombie films that's what we technically call the bad guy. Okay, right. Well, no, I mean, the bad guy is usually the one that engineered the apocalypse in the first place. Yeah, or, well, yeah, they could be the ones who are trying to set up society again, but ultimately they're being Hitler in some way. Mm. But I'd, I would get my hands dirty. I'd do it myself. I wouldn't have a load of burly henchmen doing it for me. What, you'd actually physically go out and like zombify a large number of people? And... Yeah, I think it would be easier to kill a survivor than a zombie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably work my way up to zombies when I got really good at it. Because obviously if I... 
Yeah, if you didn't do it well, then you would have loads of zombies anyway. I mean, let's be so. honest, early on, most of the survivors are only going to be survivors through a statistical fluke, not through any actual survival ability that they have. That won't yeah, come really until later. survivors. Precisely. Yeah, um, when you actually meet the people who, who know what they're doing, th- the thing is, they'll they'll get out of the city. So if you stay in a city, you're going to be all right because you're not going to have the you know the hardcore survivalist nut jobs, which I don't think we really have in this country anyway. Oh, no, Our no, survivalists, no, uh, like Bear Grylls and stuff, who are nice. I, I know a hardcore. I knew a hardcore survivalist nut job. He was perfectly nice, but I have absolutely no doubt in the event of the zombie apocalypse, he would have buried the hatches in my brain within seconds. Is he like EDL or something? No. Well, a little bit. <laughs> I bet a lot of Britain First people are really like proper hardcore into- I bet a lot of the Britain First would do very well in a zombie apocalypse, the bastards. Yeah. Mm. The problem is, I suspect that most of them are pasty stockbrokers. I'm sure there is. Dan, have you gone uh, Have you underground at the moment? No. Have you- are you in a zombie survival bunker? It does Maybe. look like, yeah, it looks like um, an SOS message. You, you've lost... You've got a very bad connection in there. I'm a bit worried that maybe the zombies have taken over starting with Guildford. The zombies wouldn't start with Guildford, though, would they? <laughs> it's one of the rooms! Oh, this, is, this is zombies just coming to his room. <laughs> no, that, that, um, that was me standing down the kill squad. Jesus. Okay. Oh, okay, fine. Um, so I think we've all established that we would be terrible in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't farewell. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure until my how, how exactly did we get from Dan's terrible love life to a zombie apocalypse? Oh, that was, it. On that was it. Engineering an earthquake in the attempt to get his woman back. Oh, yeah. So that's, you didn't do that, no. which you, I mean, that's like the first rule of any, uh, any dating advice. Yeah. Make, make sure you've engineered some kind of disaster. So uh, was it something you did? Or was it something you didn't do? Well, what kind of feedback did she give you on your on the on the forms? I, I assume you sent her a feedback form. Obviously, um, but uh, she didn't fill it in. Um, so I presume it was something I did because we were going on a date. It was quite nice, and then suddenly, you, just all of the chemistry and excitement just went, and okay. we sort of wandered back to the car park, and it was all right. Yeah, no. Okay, so did you say something racist? No. Okay, which we did specifically tell you to do. Yeah, I know. Again, all I can say is that I've learned through science how not to attract women so that our listeners may know better. Mm. Did you shit yourself? No. We didn't did you get your cock out? No. I mean, that's the big three, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Preferably yeah. all at the same time. Well, if any of our listeners would like to date Dan, uh, he is Dan now Dan, whatever it is. What number is it, Dan? I don't know. I don't care. Have a guess. 629. Oh, so close. 625. Oh. To be fair, there are a lot of Dan fans. Well, yeah, there are. 625, yeah. apparently, but that seems mm. high. Well, I mean, if any uh, beautiful single lady listeners, um, well, firstly, exist, which is somewhat <laughs> unlikely, but secondly, uh, want to come to Hull with us next month, um, Dan, you're going to be there as uh, the only eligible single gentleman mm. um you'll have you know four or five wingmen um helping Full squadron. you Full, yeah uh, and, a, and a rear admiral that sounds a bit <laughs> filthy i believe the phrase um, people here is no homo but sure um well i no i'm i'm open to that if you, if you are i'm game not really sorry dude uh, i mean you know don't rule it out that's all i'm saying okay so, uh, yeah, we're, we're off to Hull. 
I've been mm. looking into hotels, and there are some really awful looking <laughs> places that are very, very cheap. Which sounds are them, just right. Are any of them right the rough guide? Um, I wouldn't imagine so. I mean, if the rough guide had looked into any of the hotels that I've seen, then it would not have put Hull in the top ten cities. But for all we know, they value extreme cheapness as a key criteria. They look functional, which is uh, the all I really demand out of a, a hotel to stay in when I'm when I'm mashed up. Um, and uh, Christopher from Dorset has demanded that we play a game of Bournemouth rounds. So uh, have, have we? Dis- I think we've discussed this on the I podcast think we before, it haven't when we? we were in, uh, when we were down in Newquay. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, coming up with some chance cards to add in to Bournemouth rounds. Ooh, how, because, about, how, how about some community chess cards? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what form they would take, but I mean the chance cards I've, I've sort of broken down so far into ones that generate more drink. Ones that generate less drink and some miscellaneous ones. So there's thing there's things like uh, double vision, which or no seeing double, I think I called it, which is this round all shots are going to be doubles, and you can play that at the beginning of the round. Um, nice. Another one was I think double down, which was you can force another player to have a double uh, for that round. So there, there's sort of ways of making other people drink more rather than just let's all get as as pissed as we possibly can and be sick by nine. Um, and then there's things like that's all going to happen anyway. But yeah, I would imagine so. But I, th- I think it, you know, just needs to liven the game up a little bit. Mm. And I'm going to buy a laminating machine so that they can be reused. Okay, or at least survive more than five minutes. Yeah, I mean that's a good good place to start. But so um, we need suggestions for what we can do during the day when we're in Hull because um, it can't all just be heavy drinking. I mean. I mean, we're in our thirties. Based on previous evidence, I'm going to suggest mostly violently abusing the toilet and wishing I was dead. Oh no, this is the the more the daytime before we go out drinking. I mean, you could do that before <laughs> yeah, we go drinking if you want to. That's not a problem. <laughs> I, I was talking about this every day for Dan. <laughs> Basically, yes. I mean, I I, I can't um, recommend enough. Uh, doing a poo when you go out on a night out because I don't think we we talked about this but when uh, when you two came up here um last year and we, we went out in Leeds we so we'd been out the night before hadn't we in my village and yep. we we were a little worse for wear well, on the you and I were. Dan, we weren't doing Dan, too bad Dan arrived very late and so it kind of missed yeah, the that's true, he died in a pile up on the way yeah um but, you know we, we were feeling a, not I mean I wasn't bad but I was tired but a bit delicate, and then we went out and had our dinner, which was a massive, heavy pie or burger or something like that. And mm. and yeah, we're all just sort of feeling a bit lethargic. And then, um, I mean, I've never done a line of coke in a nightclub toilet, but I cannot imagine it having any more beneficial effect on my energy levels than the poo I did in Jake's. Because and and then Adam did the same thing. Went went did a poo, came back thinking, I'm bang up for this now. Actually, I've uh, I've Got rid of all that excess weight. I mean, figuratively and literally. And uh, now the world is my—I don't know—not oyster because uh, no oysters are probably make me need yeah. another poo. Um, but yeah, just uh, just gave me a second wind and a lot more energy. And uh, yeah, so I, I I recommend don't take drugs, kids. Just do a poo. Mm. And I think that's an important educational message for everybody. 
Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, you can apply that to every... I, mean, I think um, having a wank is uh, a good sort of... If you're in a, a, a situation where you're, you're going to make a bad decision, you know, if, like if, if you're chatting to a girl or something and you've, you've got a partner or if you're about to spend money on porn on the internet or, you know, do something that is, is not a great plan, have a wank and rethink it, and chances are you won't make that bad decision. No, mm. However, so arrested it, for... I was going to say, it's very important that well, you I mean, don't go somewhere do private. in a bar. Like well, I mean, if like you're in the it. toilet, if you're in a locked cubicle, then you're not... Uh, I don't know, I suppose you're probably violating laws, but but yeah, I would say, uh, if you're ever thinking about doing drugs, just do a poo, and you won't need drugs. Good. I'm glad we've given us solid advice here. Yeah. We've covered how to treat a lady, and how to do a massive dump in a nightclub toilet. I mean, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Some women like that, so I hear. Yeah. Did you attempt to do that on your date? Nope. Because, well, see, you didn't even try, I Dan. I know, I know. So, yeah, anyway, that's, that's what we're coming around to. If you want to date Dan, um, feel free to come to Hull, and um, he'll let you sleep at the bottom of uh, the foot of his bed, curled up like a dog, if you just wank him off. Mm. I think that's a fair trade. The downside is you will be in hull. <laughs> I can't make up for that. Okay, fantastic. So, does anyone have any other business that they would like to discuss? I don't believe so. Fantastic. Well, in that case, um, I think it's time that we brought this podcast to a close. Excellent. This has been episode 34 of the Two Star Podcast. It's been an absolute doozy. It's been in the top 34, certainly. Yeah. And as we have learnt uh, in our brief recap of this episode, um, don't do drugs. Do a poo. Don't listen to the new R. Kelly album. And, well, I suppose really follow our dating advice. Otherwise, you'll end up like Dan. Mm, yeah. No one wants to end up like Dan. Till next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. My second favourite story about Australia <laughs> is. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Oh, Daniel, we... Jesus Christ wasn't Australian, I don't think. I hesitate to point out. But yes, didn't Jason die? Was, it, was, uh, it was Joseph, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't Jesus and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Same thing, isn't it? Yes, it's all made up.